This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. And welcome back into the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Get extra value this football season with Bet Rivers Squares. Win up to $10,000 in bonus money. Bet 10 bucks. Same in-game parlays on any game with a squares icon to earn yourself a square. And it's a pleasure to have the company of the veteran voice. This redefines veteran voice, ladies and gentlemen. The voice of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Gene Deckerhoff, is with me today to do a little preview on the Bears in Tampa, but also talk about a great broadcast legacy in Tampa. You have covered these Buccaneers through many color changes and head coaching changes over the years, Gene. Thanks for your time today. Yeah, yeah, from creamsicle to pewter and red, and uh, on uh, October the 7th, we're going back to, uh, let's see, the 7th or the 14th against Detroit Lions. Uh, Buccaneers are going to go back to the creamsicle for one more game, and uh, uh, see how that looks. I love the creamsicle look, but by golly, we've won more more Super Bowls in the pewter and red, so let's stay with those, you know? Yeah, pewter and red, pretty 2-0 uh, and oh in Super Bowl play. I, I always will love the creamsicles, too, because yeah. I, I remember... Uh, the career of Leroy Selman, the first Buccaneer ever to get enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And uh, what, what a joy it was to get to know him just a little bit over the years and broadcast from his barbecue joint in Tampa one day. <laughs> For years, the only Buccaneer in franchise history who mattered. Now there are a bunch of Buccaneers. Who, who would be next? Who, who would be after Leroy Selman as Mr. Buccaneer, coming from a guy like you, who's been there almost since day one? Well, well, you'd have to put Derek Brooks right up there at the top of the list. You know, Derek, uh, uh, number one, he, he still lives in Tampa. He, he, he's got a foundation in Tampa. He and uh, Mr. DeBartolo have a school that they founded that's a very good school that uh, – a lot of the graduates from their school come to Florida State University, or University of Florida, and uh, uh, I would say Derek Brooks would be, you know. But then everybody has their opinion. You know, Rondé Barber still lives in Tampa. Uh, he, he's a great guy. You know, you mentioned the creamsicle and the pewter and red, two and zero oh in Super Bowls in the pewter and red. But all five was it six now? Well, there's. Yeah, with uh, t- Tony. Yeah, uh, all six members of the Hall of Fame uh, wore a creamsicle at least once in their career. And uh, uh, I, I mentioned specifically John Lynch and uh, uh, Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks and then uh, the most recent Rondé Barber and Tony Dungy. They all co- they all wore the, the creamsicle before we moved to the, to the pewter and red in the late 1990s. So um, uh, there's a connection. Our Hall of Fame members all wore the creamsicle and uh, our team is going to wear the creamsicle against Detroit this year. No, I, yeah. I'm with you. And when when you watch the game, uh, Danny, when you watch the game against Detroit, it'll be, I don't know if, we, if you've got the, the satellite, you can watch our game. Uh, look at the pom-poms that the uh, cheerleaders have. I mean, they're, they're, they're almost four feet in diameter. I mean, they're huge pom-poms, which goes back to the throwback days. 
<laughs> yeah, you, I could I could picture Jimmy Giles with the gigantic shoulder pads. <laughs> you wonder how they walk through the door. <laughs> Get Jimmy in the Hall of Fame one day. I know that. Uh, uh, I guess his time is over. He could go in as you know, as a veteran or something like that. But had a tremendous career with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I was not broadcasting the games, but I had a chance to rub shoulders and shake hands and be around Jimmy. And he's a great guy. He's a great Buccaneer, and he needs to be. Uh, you know, he was he he was a tight end ahead of his time. Now you look at the, the, the teams that contend for the Super Bowl. They all have great tight ends. Uh, uh, the team that we beat last week, Hockensack. I mean, he's a, he's a, well, you know, Bears fans know. They had this mm-hmm. with the Detroit Lions for a year or two. But uh, the, the teams with the great offenses have great tight ends, and Jimmy was ahead of his time. Jimmy Giles had wide receiver speed and offensive tackle size. That's what made him a great tight end in his era. And you know what? He should be in the Hall of Fame, but he's not right now. I, 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 I'm on a, I'm on a, a soapbox now, and I'm saying, hey, vote for Jimmy Giles. We need another Hall of Famer in this Tampa Bay Ring of Honor. <laughs> Gene, what, uh, what did the win against the Vikings at their place do for the confidence of this young Buccaneers team with a new quarterback? Well, we've got 13, uh, 13 rookies, six undrafted free agents on the football roster right now. That's the that's the fifty three. Then you got the sixteen man uh, practice squad. Uh, the win was huge because you were leaving the Tom Brady era and going into now the Baker Mayfield era. But you know what? Uh, Tom Brady carried the era himself. Uh, this was a total team effort by the Buccaneers to beat the Minnesota Vikings. Remember, the Minnesota Vikings were down 31 points to Indianapolis at halftime a year ago, and they came back and won. The Bucs took the lead late in the game and held on to it through two three-and-out series against the uh, uh, very good, you know, uh, the fans of Minnesota are down on Kirk Cousins, but I'll tell you what, uh, not, there's not many quarterbacks a whole lot better than Kirk Cousins in the National Football League. And, uh, uh, he, you know, for th- Twice in a row, the Bucks stopped him and got the ball back. And uh, maybe the biggest play, well, there were, there were, there were four huge plays in the game. And, and the, the last one had to be uh, uh, the catch by Chris Godwin on third down and 10. That uh, and it, it, that was the first play out of the two-minute warning that enabled the Bucks to then run out the clock. Didn't have to take another step, basically, go into the victory formation. That was a huge play, one of four. Uh, the second was uh, the, the go-ahead touchdown by Trey Palmer, a rookie. Uh, but but uh, in between those two, Carlton Davis, when he knocked the ball away from uh, their rookie uh, wide receiver on third down and eight that they were facing, forced them to punt on a three-and-out series. That was one of the top plays. And then go back to the very first half, and uh, Antoine uh, Antoine d- did his thing in, uh, in his hometown, and uh, uh, he had a, he had the trifecta they're talking about on radio this week. And that you know that's a hockey term, but it's, uh, he had the sack, the strip, and the recovered fumble. Antoine Winfield uh, Jr. Mm-hmm. Those were the four big plays in that ballgame. Oh, anyway, oh, wait a minute. Hey, Danny, uh, 57-yard field goal, <laughs> the difference in the ballgame, that was pretty big too. So call it five. Yeah, well, five plays, and the Buccaneers are out of the gate 1-0. and oh. I, I, I thought before the Bears got tripped up by the Packers opening weekend, this was going to be a tough date for them given humidity and now now their backs are up against the wall this is a game that you hate to say must win in week two and it's not even a divisional opponent but they've got to get something rolling how have how have the fans taken to baker mayfield he's not everybody's flavor gene 
Well, he is, he is the quarterback. Uh, he and Kyle Trask are the two quarterbacks in the room. And then John Wolford, uh, is, he's, he's on the practice squad, but he was the number three quarterback in the preseason, uh, four years with the uh, L.A. Rams. And I saw him four years in a row beat my Seminoles at uh, Wake Forest University. I, I like him as a quarterback, but he's number three. Uh, injured in the New York Jets game, did not play in the preseason finale and uh, uh, was not active, obviously, for the game last week. The Bucks are going to activate only two. So it's Baker Mayfield's team. And, and hey, if you're a Buccaneer fan, you've got to be behind your quarterback. And same thing with the Bears, you've got to be behind your quarter, you know, behind your quarterback and Justin Fields. And the same thing with that bunch in Minnesota. I mean, uh, they go skull and blow that horn and everything, but they need to be behind their quarterback. I mean, you should hear some of the conversation at the airport when I was flying home. Everybody's down on, on it's only one game. They won 13, lost four last year. And, uh, uh, you know, the Buccaneers, we had a down year last year uh, for Tom Brady, a down year, eight wins, nine losses, but still won the division championship. So we're the defending champion in the NFC South. And that game last week in Minnesota, they were the defending champions in the NFC North. So it was a, a battle of, of, of division champions to kick off the season. Bucks won by three. We were underdogs by five or six, I, depending on who you, who you listen to. But, uh, yeah, that was a big one for the Bucks, And uh, not a devastating loss to the Minnesota Vikings, although I believe to last night Minnesota had to play, oh, against the defending NFC champions, the Philadelphia Eagles. Don't uh, I, I, You know, uh, tough tough road to hoe for Minnesota, but by God, the Bucks get the Bears. And the last time we played the Bears, well, you know this, Danny Mac, uh, the Bucks uh, handed Chicago a, a, a trip out to the woodshed, I might say. Yes, they they did indeed do that. Uh, it's been it's been the scene for a handful of those over these last few years. We we miss yeah. those days of the NFC Central yeah. Division once upon a time when we'd get an annual trip there. And my dad lived in Spring Hill. He retired north of Tampa, so I used to get to see him on a regular basis in double dip. You say your Florida State Seminoles with such pride, they're ranked third in the country. Right now, Seminole football is back on the map, Gene, isn't it? Well, you, you know, it's it's amazing. Uh, uh, Bobby Bowden retired. Uh, that, that Jimbo Fisher came in as the coach in waiting, won a national championship. And then uh, the SEC beckoned. He leaves and departs and goes to uh, Texas A&M. And uh, Florida State goes searching for a coach. We had not searched for a coach since Bobby Bowden was hired in 1976 because Jimbo was the coach, head coach in waiting is the term they used. And when he came in as offensive coordinator for three years, and then when Bobby was uh, was retired, I don't think he did it on his own, but uh, Jimbo obviously moved up to the head coach. And so for the first time since 1976, that's 30, what, 36, 37 years, Florida State had to go looking for a coach. And I thought, hey, we probably stubbed our toe. We hired Willie Taggart to come in and then Willie, Willie had been at Oregon, and Oregon had a quarterback by the name of Herbert, which is a pretty good guy. I think that folks that follow the NFL know uh, he may be one of the best in the league, uh, young quarterback for the L.A. Chargers now. But uh, uh, he wasn't there very long, and the job opened up at Florida State, a job that he had always coveted because he grew up in Bradenton, Florida, and said that he always wanted to be the head coach of the Seminole, and he was hired. But it just did not work out. I don't know. The, there wasn't much left in the cupboard when, when Jimbo left. And so he was probably under the gun. And then halfway through uh, Willie's second season, he was fired. And uh, the, the the committee went out and found a, a young man from Memphis by the name of Mike Norvell. Nor, Norvell comes in the COVID year, 2020, his first year. Throw that out. 
and his career is very similar to that of Bobby Bowden. The first two years, Bobby had his only losing season in year one. Uh, Mike Norvell takes the team to a bowl game in year two if you take the COVID year away. Both both coaches won 10 games, won a bowl game. Uh, Florida State under Bobby Bowden in, in, in 1977 beat Texas Tech in the Tangerine Bowl. Uh, and then uh, Mike Norvell's Seminoles go down to Orlando. It was the uh, 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 Cheez-Its Bowl, uh, same, same venue that uh, Bobby had beaten Texas Tech, and he knocks off Oklahoma uh, to earn that 10th win. So there's a lot of similarities between what Mike Norvell is doing at Florida State and what Bobby Bowden was able to do. Now, it's too early to say, hey, Mike is the next Bobby Bowden, but by golly, he's sure on the right trajectory. And uh, yeah, ranked number three in the country. Now let's do it uh, for 14 consecutive years. Nobody's done You know, my... Nobody's done that since Bobby Bowden's dynasty, 14 consecutive, 10 win seasons, and top five finishes. Now, you say, well, how about Alabama? Well, Alabama, they dropped a number seven when they lost a bowl game uh, about a handful of years ago. So they had to start all over again. Clemson, well, Clemson didn't finish in the top five last year. In fact, Florida State was ranked higher than the Clemson Tigers at the end of the poll. Well, Florida State was number 10 and number 11. Clemson, I think, was 13, 14, somewhere in that range. So, uh, yeah, it's tough to do. But Mike Norvell, has got, he's, he's got one 10-win season, and right now it looks like he's going to have his second in a row. Yep, Florida State, huge favorites over Boston College this weekend. Bet Rivers, our line is 26. You, you still love going on the road and, and doing what you do. What, what you do requires you to be on the road. Like, like many rock stars have said, well, I play drums. I, I have to go. You have to have a football venue to do what you do. Yeah. Yet, you know, Father Time is unbeaten, Gene. How do you stave him off? Yeah, well, this is my 30, 35th, 34th year of, uh, no, 35th year of doing Tampa Bay Buccaneer football. I did 43 years of Florida State football, 48 years of basketball. And uh, people always say, when are you going to retire, Gene? What are you going to I said, well, the Lord's going to tell me when to retire. And uh, you know what? I've cut my workload uh, basically by about 60% uh, because there's no longer basketball. That was 33, 35, sometimes 36 games after football season. And uh, game game day preparation, uh, pregame shows recorded the day ahead of time, uh, call-in shows, you know, every Monday night. So, so yeah, it's it, my retirement plan, Matt, is, is to do one football game a week for 20 weeks, maybe one or two more weeks after that. And uh, not do talk shows, uh, not do pregame shows, and uh, enjoy what I do. And I enjoy doing football play. And I'm a basketball Jones. Maybe the toughest thing for me to do was to give up doing basketball when I retired from Florida State uh, two years ago. Because I I truly love the game of college basketball. I'm not much of a uh, 24-second fan, but I love the game of college basketball. And uh, I love the ACC. And uh, I miss that. I miss going to those those, those ACC towns, Raleigh-Durham, you know, North. Carolina, uh, Chapel Hill, uh, Clemson, South Carolina, believe it or not, uh, Little John Coliseum, I, those venues. And, and, and I, I listen to Jeff Colhane, who followed me as the play-by-play announcer. I listen to every game I can. I've got the app on my phone. I listened to I listened to that game last week, 66-13 over Southern Miss, and uh, had 102 players in that football game that played in that. And, and, and color analyst uh, uh, William Barnon Floyd played for the San Francisco 49ers, good friend of mine, in his 17th year of doing the color. And his son, Jay 
had a chance to play in the football game. I was so happy and so proud. But I listened to Florida State football and basketball on, on the FN. And I had the TV on, but uh, I'm sort of partial to the radio. You know, I love listening. Bobby Bowden had a bout with, uh, 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 back in the day, rheumatic fever. And he spent an entire year basically in his bedroom. And he loved listening to radio play-by-play. He listened to Notre Dame and Alabama. Those were the two broadcasts that he could listen to. And he always said, Jeannie, I like listening to radio play-by-play more than watching it on TV. And I do too. You know, and one of the things technology gives us, Sirius XM, I, I, I no longer hate doing one or two fishing trips on Sunday a year because I'll, I'll drive back from, from northern Wisconsin and I get the entire NFL ticket. I, I get every game in the country. And I get Gene Deckerhoff doing the Bucks. I get Paul Allen doing the Vikings, Wayne Larravee doing the Packers. There still are some pretty incredible voices doing this NFL. But but the old guard is is starting to get a little bit thinner. Who are who are some of the young guys who are going to carry on the tradition set by the so-called old school football play-by-play men? Matt, uh uh, Danny Mac, this is uh, uh, this is going on right now. You know, I had an option year, which is this year, uh, to continue doing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and already a week two, a week into the preseason. Hey, Gene, you sure you want to end after thirty five years? You know, uh, uh, Bill Hillgrove's eighty one years old; he's still doing the Steelers. You know, and, and Merrill Reese, he's eighty four years old; he's still doing it. You sure you want to? You sure you want to stop after thirty five years? Well, I say let's let's wait and uh, move on to the season, see how it's going. But uh, uh, yeah, there's there's, there's some old time. You don't mention you mentioned Wayne Larrabee. You mentioned uh, Wayne. I think Wayne at one time would what, what, did he not do Chicago? I believe he was yeah. avoiding Chicago Bears. Then the job opened up at Green Bay, and Wayne and Wayne took that job. And uh, I think when Wayne took that job, he had uh, two young youngsters or three. And now I think they're they're probably in college or out of college now. So uh, he's getting up there, but I don't think he's seventy eight years old yet. And uh, that that's the that's the level I am, and I. Uh, I don't feel 78. I love doing football games. And as long as the Buccaneers say, hey, Gino, we'll fly you to this place, fly you to that place. We'll put you in this hotel and uh, just, you know, show up on time. And uh, I'm kicking around doing another year or two, but uh, we'll we'll wait and see. I, I, I know this, that I live in Tallahassee. It's four and a half hours to Tampa uh, by vehicle, which we drive to home games, my wife and I. And uh, uh, by living in Tallahassee, I hear every day, Gene, we miss you on the radio. And I, I have to say, I'm sorry. Uh, I, 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 I can't do both anymore. So I've, I'm, I'm down to one game a week and uh, love doing it. I, I watch the Monday night football game. I, 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 I watch the Thursday night football games. I have the, uh, the NFL Plus where you can watch the replays, which I will watch the Bears-Green Bay game. I was on an airplane and, and really couldn't tell what was going on in the Bears-Green uh, Bay game, but I've got that on video. I'll look at that uh, tonight and then tomorrow after the Thursday night game tonight. But uh, uh, that, that's that's something unique to our business. Back in the old days, you know, you didn't have that. You didn't have the Internet. I mean, good golly, how did we do that? Hey, Danny, how did we do our business without the Internet? We're doing this on the Internet right now. I'm in Chicago, <laughs> and um, if it wasn't for the Internet, we wouldn't be doing this thing. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. We did it with reference books and encyclopedias and and, and media guides. And uh, yeah. and you know oh what? Boy. When 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 television started, I'll tell you what. The college game 
uh, you used to be able to get away with a lot. You know, you could make a you could make a, a two yard run sound like a fifteen yard run, <laughs> and nobody <laughs> on TV. They're listening on radio, and you better hit you better hit it on the right. You better have the right guy making the tackle, the right guy running the football. And and I found out we, when when Florida State joined the ACC, uh, I had to spend more time researching and preparing for basketball games than I ever had in my entire life, because everybody knew everything about ACC basketball, and and, and you know the satellite radio. You're well, that guy's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's talking about, you know? So you really had to double prepare to do college basketball games. And, uh, yeah, again, it's, it's, it's all part of technology. I mean, you know, when uh, Mr. Marconi invented the, uh, the radio, I, I guess, uh, that, that started a new era and here we are, you know, KDKA was the first commercial radio station. They sold a couple of trade outs to pay the bills <laughs> and, and the rest, I guess the rest is history as far as our business goes. And here we are on a podcast. I don't even know why they call it podcast, but <laughs> I pod. I, my son said, Dad, why do they call it pod? I said, son, I don't know. And uh, <laughs> maybe, hey, Dan, maybe you know. I, I, why, why do we call these things podcasts? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Maybe because we <laughs> could put it in our podcast. Oh. I, you got a podcast? Uh, yeah, one, I, I don't. That's the whole bottom, right? Oh, God. Gene, this has been a pleasure to catch up with you. Uh, give me your prediction for the Bears and Buccaneers. What happens week two at Raymond James Stadium? Well, before I answer that question, the next step they need to take in this technology is figure out a camera that will make me look a little thinner, a little thinner here because it's got the fish eye as I do that. But I need to look a little thinner. And who knows, maybe an agent will say, I want to represent you in the uh, in Hollywood. But anyway, Bucks will win this football game. I think home field advantage will uh, carry over the momentum from that win over uh, Minnesota last week. And uh, I, I see the Bucks going to But then again, we started 2-0 last year, two wins on the road at Dallas and New Orleans, and then sort of laid an egg. Uh, but uh, I digress. I think Bucks will win this game. I, I don't know about lines or anything like that. I just think Baker Mayfield, Tampa Bay – Defenses, I think, as good a defense as we've had in a while. And uh, we need to get that collegiate Hansi healthy. He missed uh, all but one quarter. But uh, as our first-round draft pick, when he's in that defensive line, between Logan Hall, Vita Vea, and collegiate Hansi, then those two outside linebackers. Uh, G I'll tell you what, JTS, Joe tryon Shurinka, uh, in the preseason, what little we saw of him, he looks like he is about ready to play at a very high level NFL football. And Shaq Barrett is back with a heel Achilles. Uh, that front five of the Buccaneers is going to be going to be tough to move the football on when Collegiate gets healthy. But I, I think the Bucs have enough defensive talent to win this football game. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Dan McNeil. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.